1: I am Dean Linky, but it's not every day that you get the back-to-back MLS Defender of the Year and a key contributor to the USA once again qualifying for the World Cup. And when you get him, you let him start
2: the introduction of the show. This is Walker Zimmerman of Major League Soccer's Nashville SC and the U.S. Men's National Team.
3: And this is Nuno Patera, longtime boys executive director at GSA Gwinnett Soccer Academy. I had the great honor of coaching Walker as a youth player, including the 2011 Maguire Cup Final, a game Dean Linky called on Fox Soccer Channel. So join Dean Walker and me this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, as we break down Walker's journey from youth to college to pro and helping the USA qualify for the next World Cup.
1: How about that? Walker Zimmerman and Nuno Patera, both on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. And it starts after this message from the ECNL.
0: As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league.
1: This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, and I am Dean Linke, and we are super pumped up for today's show as we've got one of the premier athletes for Major League Soccer and the U.S. national team. Talk about Walker Zimmerman, the back-to-back MLS Defender of the Year, a regular on MLS Best 11, and a regular in the lineup for Coach Berhalder as the USA did, in fact, qualify for the next World Cup. And we're also joined by his director during his time at GSA Gwinnett Soccer Academy and also a return guest to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, talking about Nuno Patero. Welcome, Walker. Welcome, Nuno.
3: Thanks, Dean. Appreciate it. Same here, Dean. Good to be here. First off, Walker, let's just start with the fact
1: that you guys did qualify for the World Cup. You've been asked this question a million times, but tell our audience, all of the members of ECNL, what it means to qualify for the next World Cup.
2: I think it's massive. Obviously, it's a dream come true, but I think more importantly on a team level in terms of, you know, representing this great country and for all the youth players that will now get a chance to watch uh, this upcoming World Cup, whereas, you know, players four years ago might not have had that chance. I think it's massive for the growth of soccer in the U.S., especially before the next one that is here in 2026. So we recognized as a group the responsibility that we had to get the job done And we're obviously excited and relieved to have done that. And honestly, just can't wait for November to come.
1: Well, we certainly applaud everything you have done to put the USA in that position. So now what we're going to do is back up the bus all the way till the first time Nuno saw you. And Nuno and you and Walker are going to have a little discussion kind of walking through his path through GSA. So, Nuno, we'll start with you, and then we'll lead to a reaction from Walker. When did you see Walker Zimmerman? And I got to believe you probably knew early on that this young man was special.
3: No, Dodd. I mean, I, I, I had come from a, a rival club, local club. I think when uh, Walker was a U13 player um, at GSA. And so already they were a very good team. And I happened to be at a club that probably had, at the time, the next best team or one of the two that competed against Walker's group. So there was already a buzz. Uh, Walker had then that summer uh, made the under-14 Ute national team pool. So automatically when you do that, there's a buzz. And this is a hotbed in, in, in Atlanta. If something happens, we all get to know about it. So... I was excited and, uh, and just that, I mean, Walker has always been just a, really a tremendous athlete. And so I think he was someone even at an early age when the accolades came his way that, um, he had a certain way about him that attracted you to him. And I think probably the biggest thing that I always say about Walker is that really at an early age, he was that unique personality, really a natural born leader. He was doing things at 13, 14 as a young man that most 18, 19, 20 year olds don't do in terms of leading a bunch of young people. And that that to me more than anything is what got yeah. me to look at him and went, whoa, wait a minute, this is a little bit different than anything I've experienced before. So Walker, we're gonna make you go back to memory lane and your time with GSA,
1: including the crossover to when Nuno joined. Can you share us some special memories of those early
2: days? I mean, there's some of the greatest memories that I have sport is just kind of the group that we had. It was a super unique experience having the same group of guys together for about seven or eight years. I know right before Nuno came, I was on the older team playing up a year with another good buddy, Tyler Peoples. And I think the year that Nuno came, the group below us, so my age appropriate group was very talented. And we're like, wow, like we should probably just drop down to this age group and just try and become an absolute juggernaut. They were good enough in quality to where we felt like we could still develop and everything at, at U14. So we went down and, and obviously Nuno joined. And I think more than anything, it was just the friendships that we made you know, over those eight seasons. It was truly remarkable the lack of turnover that we had on our team, where you see other teams were trying to compete with us and, and bring in mixing and matching players from other teams, and we kind of stayed the same pretty much the whole time. I don't think I remember a season where we added more than maybe four players to our roster. So it was a great group, and we obviously became really good friends off the field as well. Still keep in touch with a lot of them, and that's the thing that sticks out the most to me.
1: One of the things I love, Nuno, is the fact that the moment you were allowed to join the ECNL, you joined them, so you've been a consistent member for the boys' side for five years now. You've been a member for the girls the entire time. But when Walker was playing, you were in a different league, but that also included the culmination with making it in the McGuire Cup. You might want to sprinkle in a couple other little championship runs as well, besides playing in that McGuire Cup during your time with with Walker. Nuno, what what were some big
3: moments uh, as he elevated up the ladder? The only thing missing was that national championship. And and really, you know, the runs that we had, we really started off early dominating the state, putting championships together, I think three, four in a row. And then we had another, believe it or not, club locally that became the second best thing in the country, an Alpharetta ambush. And unfortunately for us, luckily for them, they ended up getting that national title and we felt slightly short, but we got there. And so for us, the regional championships the quality of play but i think most of all what walker touched on i think that's ultimately what always kind of you go back to it was the fellowship it was the connection that these boys had and i can tell you that honestly so i got the boys i think at u14 and at them all the way through through u19 but i really didn't really do a whole lot of coaching i think after u15 u16 the guy that really coached and managed the team you're looking at him and so Really, I more times than I would just put out a lineup, maybe manage the game, trying to convince them that playing the right way in terms of possession was the way to go because too many teams played direct and try to get the ball over the top. And I think at the time, even though it wasn't that long ago, we were very unique in our approach and playing that way. And I think most of all, you know, just trying to inspire Walker, we were lucky that we had tremendous talent. Walker had... We had a young man from Bosnia that was a international with them as a youth player. And early on, he was a total dominant player. So, I mean, it was easy for me to go up to Walker and go before every training session go, he doesn't do anything today. He is not to play. And so Walker immediately was like, yeah, I'll take care of that. And by the way, they were the best of friends. So we had a competitive environment that was naturally created by great leaders like, like Walker, when your best players, are also the hardest work and and our willingness to set a certain culture, then you as a coach can kind of step back and let that ship go the way it needs to go. And so that's the thing that stays with me the most, it was the chemistry, the fellowship, the connection. And so when we went through tough times, it was easy for me at halftime to look at them a certain way. And I remember one regional uh, championship that we went down, I think we're the number one or second seed team at regionals, maybe at U15. And we went down to a team from Tennessee, three nothing at the half. And they were literally laughing and talking, whatever, coming off the field, staring at us. And my my halftime talk was, I don't really have a whole lot to say. We worked very hard to get here. You need to figure out what you need to do. And I walked away. I mean, I might have said less than that. And I remember within 15 minutes of the second half, we were up four to three. And that moment will always stay with me. It was one of the most explosive emotional changes, kids looking at one another and saying, no, 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 this isn't going to happen. This is not who we are. And so those are the moments that ultimately stay with you. But the fellowship, the connection is what makes it special.
1: Walker, as you hear that and you think about, and I know you're a humble man, that's one of the things that uh, makes everybody love you so much, but you think about all the accolades, all the awards you've received. And Nuno started his answer basically saying, I didn't have to coach because I had this 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old dude that was essentially coaching the team. To me, I got chills on that. And where you sit today as a dad and a parent and a leader and a future World Cup star, how does that make you feel to know that you had this man counting on you to essentially be the coach at 14,
2: 15, 16 years old? I think he's underselling the coaching part a little bit. (laughs) He definitely was, uh, you know, one of those coaches that I think truly developed a lot of us. And I think even talking to guys about our time with Nuno, it it wasn't even the coaching on the field. It was the life talks that he would give maybe after a training in the middle of a hard session and, and the accountability that he expected out of us that to be honest, was a great role model for me to see like, okay, this is leadership. And sure. I know we have different styles in, in some capacity, but the accountability and the respect that he had for us and we had for him was the basis of everything that we accomplished. So I think he's underselling that part a little bit, but certainly he did give me the reins that probably not a lot of other kids my age would have had in terms of, you know, whether it's taking over a session and the way that it was handled. Uh, hey, go for a run. Like I'll see you whenever you guys think you're warm and, and want to come back. And that's a funny story too, you know, is sometimes you'd be like, all right guys, like go, go jog up across, uh, across GSA. And we would start at one side. We would go all the way across the bridge up the Hill and we'd go up to the top field that no one would use. And little did Nuno know, like, cause he just sent us off for a run and we started having the craziest competitions up there. Like we had wheelbarrow races where you're holding the guy's (laughs) legs, like running to half field. We were doing dizzy runs, like spinning around as fast as we could and like, to half field. So he thinks we're getting warm and just on this jog and we're, we're just, you know, having some team bonding up on the top field uh, where no one can see us. And, but that's the kind of thing, like what coach is just like, Hey you 14 year old, just go run around the complex and come back when you're warm in like 15 minutes and and just let him go. That's just a small example of, of he really did give us the reins in a lot of ways. And I think it helped develop us as a, as a team, as a group. It obviously helped me in terms of my leadership as well. So definitely a unique experience, but one that has truly paid dividends.
3: By the way, I don't take credit for that. I, I actually got that from Hanson, Hanson Dorrance with the ladies. And I just realized that it's important young people uh, to have that 15-20 minute time for themselves to bond to connect and just don't go and kill someone but go do whatever you got to do come back and that's what I got when they came back and they stepped in between the white lines it was on and so you know our environment at training was so competitive that the games at times were a lot easier than that thing that we had at training and so I think a lot of it's because they were allowed to have a certain time to connect and be themselves and then when it was time to work then it's like okay this is my time because come game time the game belongs to the players and that moment or that hour and a half that you as a coach have that's your time to influence and and try to create a little bit of a culture that then carries on to the game and so at the end it's the recognition that it's a player's game and they have to own it and when they do and their quality and they have the character like Walker, then the rest is easy because you can just sit back and go, yeah, this is great. The journey, the ride I had with him, I mean, that's that, that's a foundation for me of everything GSA, really.
2: Add on that real quick with the the competitiveness. I think a big shout out goes to that older group that, you know, your older, your older boys 91. who are two years older than us yeah. because we would show up and obviously we were kind of had a lot of games that, quite frankly, weren't games for us because we'd be winning by so much. But we'd show up to a training or on a weekend in the summer, and we'd be scrimmaging the guys two years above us who were also a very talented team. And, I mean, we would we would get after it with them. There were some challenges in there that were, you know, probably, you got 14-year-olds going up against, you know, 16-, well, 17-year-olds, and, keep, and we were keep in mind, going toe
3: to toe, So Keep in mind, Dean, that that 91 team had three guys that played in Major League Soccer. So it wasn't just whatever, they were as athletic as they come. And so they were, you're right. I I had Tyler Peoples' mom one time tell me that, say, you know, that 91 team, you give a lot of props to the 93s at creating a culture at GSA, but you forget that the 91s really did a great job of mentoring the 93 group. And that's a great point, Walker.
1: That is a great point. We are so pleased to have Walker Zimmerman and Nuno Patero on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We're gonna step aside, pay some bills and come back and find out about Walker's first memories of the game right here on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast.
0: Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
1: The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL girls and ECNL boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the national championship winning ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Coaches of the Year and the ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Goals of the Year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years.
0: From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade. The studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL.
1: Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Dean Linke, delighted to be with one of the true icons of the game right now, Walker Zimmerman. Back to back MLS defender of the year, getting it done in Nashville. And of course, on the field as the USA qualified for the next World Cup. And Nuno Patero, also the longtime director now with GSA, who picked up Walker Zimmerman when he was just 14 years old and knew exactly what he was seeing. Walker, when we went to break, we said we're going to ask you about your first memories of the game. And so we are interested in knowing were you playing other sports when you came across soccer? What do you remember about your first time with the soccer ball?
2: Well, the first time was still actually at GSA. I was one of the guys who started in the U6 program. Uh, I have two older brothers, so they were already playing, I think, probably U10 at a time. So the Saturday morning for the Zimmerman household was basically wake up, go to GSA, spend all day at the fields, and then – more often than not, depending on the season, it was hopping in the car to go change clothes to, to the baseball game or the basketball game. Between the three boys, we all played baseball, soccer, and basketball growing up. And so there were just so many times where we were overlapping and carpooling and, and figuring it out. But it was always uh, some sort of competition that was going on, especially on the weekends uh, when we were really young. What was your best sport besides soccer? Was it basketball or baseball? uh at a really early age it was it was honestly both maybe even more so than soccer i think when i quit baseball in 7th grade i had a lot of friends and parents going what are you doing uh you know why are you why are you quitting baseball right now and that was probably where you know nuno mentioned getting recognized at the u14 national team pool that that was kind of the moment for me where i was like i love all three of these sports but you know i always said as a kid i wanted to be a professional athlete it wasn't professional soccer player and At that moment in time, the light bulb went on in my head and it was like, this is your best chance. If you want to be a professional athlete, soccer is your best chance. And so that was when. You know, seventh grade, going into eighth grade, I dropped basketball and baseball and, and went full time with soccer. But it was sad because I, I grew up playing all the sports and, and loved them. And and I really did enjoy those moments, had lots of friends who kept playing and it was hard. It was hard to walk away from those other two. But thankfully, I think I made the, the right choice there.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we know you did. Nuno, I want you to add on that because I think there probably was a benefit to him playing basketball and baseball for that long as well, if you want to add on to that as well.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and I and I think again, Walker could have done whatever and would have been successful. I'm not saying you would have been a professional baseball player or whatever, but certainly had that type of natural ability and potential. And but yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, I'm a big believer playing hoops and, and doing these other things just make you, I think, or give you a foundation of, of being well rounded and give you that sense for the for the sports, for especially team sports that I think can really make a difference. And I can tell you Walker can maybe share a little bit about this, but I found out later, you know, that Walker was doing stuff, even with swimming to get his fitness base at a different type of level. I couldn't figure out at one time where he was just, you know, I used to, my big thing with fitness was doing these four hundreds. I just felt like these things kind of separate you from the rest. And he, he was doing five and six of these things. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, he's able to maintain a certain kind of, you know, pace and dominate this thing. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? Why is it the other guys are doing the same thing? And even the two or three, they're pretty special. Maybe not at his level, but close enough. They're not even competing. I found out later, this son of a gun's getting up before going off to school and putting putting in crazy laps to increase, increase his fitness pace. And these things are... That's what separates the the professional from from the what from those that talk about whatever. You know? Walker
2: tell that story will you about swimming? Yeah, so well the swimming was a little bit later than probably those early days of the 400s. That was kind of I guess right before college was when the swimming really kicked in, but but in terms of doing the extra stuff, it was always there. Um, you know, my mom, I can attribute a lot to her in terms of the footwork. We'd go out in the driveway, do a bunch of ball skills together. Uh, the extra session, sometimes with the 91s, if, if we had training three times a week, they were on a different day, Show up, train with the older kids. And then also, you know, I did some like speed training and agility work at another place out in Norcross on the day that we weren't training as well. So I guess at an early age, I recognized that if I want to be better than everyone else, then I have to do more than everyone else. You know, I'm not just going to get ahead of them by showing up on the exact same days, the exact same times that they're training, and then all of a sudden expect to be, you know, miles ahead. And so even with, you know, off-season training or uh, anything like that, I I think mentally I go into a place where I love going up to my old high school track at Brookwood, and this is back when you could get on it at least, uh, and going late at night, pouring rain, whatever it is, just because it gave me in my head, this idea that I am working so much harder than all of my peers. None of them are out here at this hour and these elements. And I'm going to push myself because I know that that's where I can get a big advantage. And so I think that that's created a lot of mental fortitude. It's created a lot of ability to be resilient with whatever comes my way. And certainly it was always about doing the extra thing in those years, which obviously made those 400s a little bit easier for me.
1: (laughs) I mean, Nuno, at its simplest core, what a great message for young soccer stars to hear what it took to get to this point, right? I mean, all of this extra work, it truly is, as you mentioned, Anson earlier, the vision of a champion.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I think that old quote that, you know, talent without hard work, is what it's really nothing and I think Walker exemplifies that to me in a different level and I connect He's like a Ronaldo you know you have all this great talent physically all this thing that's given to you and Walker can tell you we happen to sit sit in a county in, in in Gwinnett that is diverse we got a zillion soccer players that are super super talented that have a passion that have a dream that's no different than Walker but you know, the ability to walk the walk and and not just talk to talk is really what separates that 1% from everybody else. And, And Walker has always enjoyed the grind. You know, he's always enjoyed the competition. He's always enjoyed those moments that, you know, everybody else is anxious, including me and I haven't slept for three days. And he's just embracing that, that moment and everything that comes with it. So for us, he is that, he's that role model. He's that guy that, I remind the kids all the time. I go, hey, here's the captain of our U.S. national team. Oh, and by the way, he came out of our rec program right back there when he was six, seven years old. So if this guy can achieve that dream, and by the way, here's how he went about doing it. You know, do you have it in you? Because there's a price to be paid, right? There's a heavy price to be paid. There are a lot of things that you got to give up. There's no high school Friday night football games, which is a massive thing here in, in Georgia and in Atlanta. Everybody's going well, Walker's got a nine o'clock in the morning game that, you know, he's, he's focused on that. And so having that attitude, that ability to, to be focused on, you know, the, keep your eye on the price as they say, you know, a lot of, a lot of young people talk, talk to talk, but to actually walk it, uh, and to be able to walk it at a time that maybe soccer was already a big thing, but it certainly isn't what it is now. I think like Walker's kid, he's growing up in a soccer country you know walker was in the beginning of that he was very much a part of making it a soccer country if that makes sense you know yeah. and so to have that attitude to say this is going to be my ticket when we didn't even have a major league soccer here in atlanta i mean that's 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 uh, says an awful lot about walker's character and his the way he goes about things
1: indeed and now walker now that you have a child as well that uh, probably will be a future star this is a little tougher question as You know, you're busy doing great things for Nashville and the U.S. national team. But as you sit back and reflect, what do you recognize as the biggest change in youth soccer since your days at GSA? Anything stand out, Walker?
2: I think the biggest difference between when I was playing and and now is obviously the development of the academies that are under the MLS teams. So the homegrown contracts and um, the model of signing a kid at 15-16 to a homegrown contract. And it has pros and cons, right? I mean, you're going to have some guys who are ready for that and they need the next level of training as a pro every day because they are just extremely talented. And then on the downside, you have some guys who maybe get caught up with, oh, I'm going to be able to turn pro and all of a sudden things don't really work out. They've kind of passed up college a little bit and, and it becomes a little bit more difficult for them. So it, that's where it really, there's a lot of reliance on coaches to give them the proper feedback of Hey, you're, you're ready for this next step, or maybe you're going to benefit from staying in, you know, youth soccer a little bit longer, maybe going to a year or two of college and then making the jump. And that's where it just totally depends on the player, depends on their environment. But it's that's the biggest difference is the ability for MLS clubs to come in and sign a kid at 15, 16 uh, and hoping to develop them into, you know, participating and being involved with the first team.
1: A similar question, particularly with Nuno looking on, if you could change something from your youth days or possibly take something from today and infuse it into your youth days, what would it be, Walker?
2: I always was hoping that, you know, when we were playing, it split off into the academy teams and the non-academy teams. I wanted so badly for there to be some kind of mixed tournament of like tournament of champions where you have the nationals at both the academy level, the nationals at ECNL. And you have them go at it as like you know a Super Copa type situation because there was so much chatter and talk and especially with the teams in Atlanta like we we wanted to prove that hey just because we didn't go the academy route we will we will show up at any field at any point and we're gonna take it to you so I think just having some kind of mixture would be really fun to have kind of a tournament of champions.
3: Yeah, I think we're getting there. I mean, I I think ultimately, if you're an MLS Academy, you're part of that program, and those are the top elite teams in terms of whatever talent in the country. Everything else is really ECNL. I mean, there's really nothing else out there. If you're a top club, top teams, you're playing ECNL. And those of us that happen to be in MLS markets like Atlanta United, we get to have those games. You know, we're always, because it's an opportunity for them to get to look at our players and, you know, I think Atlanta United, 35% of their academies uh, form a GSA players. So I think anytime they get a chance to players and take a look at our kids and make sure they're not missing anyone, they do that. And at the same time, we benefit from that. So I think, I think that Super Cup idea is awesome, especially for the time walker, because we wanted that thing bad. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> All right. Awesome. We're going to take one more
1: break and – Walker did mention college. We're gonna get a little take on his time at Furman when he initially broke into the youth national team and the men's national team. The pressure of all the expectations and maybe some fun stories in our final segment. The great Walker Zimmerman and his coach at GSA on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast.
0: Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the US at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot the ultra the only boot engineered for speed the ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion speed and acceleration it's the best in the game designed for the best players in the game.
1: Welcome back to breaking the line the ECNL podcast we're so pleased to be joined with one of the best players in MLS one of the best players for the USA what a story he is Walker Zimmerman as well as a director for GSA and a return guest, Nuno Patera. And Walker, we went to break talking about the fact in your answer, you mentioned college. There's a big debate now, in fact, of even expanding the college season. But talk about why going to Furman was so important in your continued development.
2: Right. I think, you know, we talked about the differences of the time I was kind of entering into college versus now and how we didn't really have the ability to sign a homegrown contract or be affiliated with an MLS club. And so, the route for all the players to take during my time was to go to college. And uh, particularly with me, I'd created a relationship with Doug Allison from U15 region team uh, through ODP. And that's kind of where I met him and, you know, was like, Hey, I really like this guy. Let me go visit Furman and check it out. Uh, check out the campus, check out the school. And so sophomore year of high school, while all the other kids were going to, spring break parties going to, to Florida. My parents put me in a car and we drove and visited like five, six colleges, um, along the East coast. And that was my spring break. <laughs> and it, it turned out that after, you know, a week after I visited Furman and, and, and fell in love with it, that coach Allison ended up offering me a scholarship there and, and I took it. And and the premise was the idea behind it was let's create, um, a recruiting class of, of your friends from, club region team national team and let's try and really create something special here at Furman and we ended up pulling a top five recruiting class uh, in the country for for my freshman year and so to do that at a school like Furman is is insane um and that was a big part of you know the pitch to me was hey come here recruit your friends that you love playing with that are also extremely talented players and let's kind of get this program try and take it to new heights and and so that was a big uh reason for me committing to Furman
3: He actually forgets that it wasn't a week later. He went up for a visit, went to Wake, did all that. And on the way home, he called me and said, hey, by the way, coach, as a sophomore, I just committed to Furman. I'm like, what? You did what? You know? But it's a special program. And we forget Ricardo Clark was there. Clint Dempsey was there. So Walker was along the line of just great national team players, Major League Soccer, you know, all-stars that or part of the, the culture that was there. But I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about Doug Allison. I remember asking Doug one time, like, hey man, what, what sold you on the fact that you wanted Walker? He said, Nuna, it was easy. <clears throat> he was with a region team in Buenos Aires in Argentina. And he said, he goes, I'm sitting there with my assistant coaches and I'm just looking. And I watch Walker walk into like whatever, a convenience store. And the whole region team walks into the convenience store. Walker walks out of the convenience store the whole region team walks out of the convenience store, Walker walks into a cafe. The whole, the whole so he goes, I knew there, that was my alpha <laughs> dog, that was my leader. He goes, when I saw that, I knew I had to have him. He goes, I was already in love with him as a player and as a person, but when I saw that, I looked at the assistant, are you watching? He goes, what are you talking about? Watch. He goes, watch it, watch it. (laughs) I just thought that was a great story, you
1: know? Yeah, it is. He's the Pied Piper. I mean, leaders (laughs) lead. and, And I mean, Walker, when did you know that you had this innate ability to lead? I
2: think a pretty early age, honestly. But I think it all stemmed from, I felt like my desire to win at whatever it was, was higher than everyone else. And so when you have a person on your team who wants to win as badly as I did and as I do they're typically, they have no other choice, but to kind of, they have to gear up and try and follow that or else, you know, it's not going to be that much conflict at a young age in terms of yelling at them or holding them accountable. Um, But there's certainly an expectation that we had to uphold of like, look, I want to win this game. If you are not on board with that, like we got to figure that out, you know? And so I think probably my competitiveness was probably off the charts and probably the reason why I think leadership kind of followed within that vein and then obviously, I had great role models with my older brothers. You know, I think when you get to see firsthand your role models be good people, good servants of people, um, and the way that they even challenged me, it, it gave me a, a good foundation to to go from. So big uh, big credit to them as well.
1: Walk us through, as I mentioned, we're going to tease the fact, and you've already touched a little bit about joining the U.S. Youth National Teams, but walk us through your best experience with the U.S. Youth National Teams, and then walk us through, Walker Zimmerman, when you got your first call-up to the U.S. National Team, who was the coach, what that experience was like. That's kind of a loaded question. There's three and one in there, but hopefully you caught most of that.
2: My first experience with the National Team was obviously that U14 uh, National Team pool, but kind of right before that was at region camp and i remembered the year before i had gone with the older age group and they always make it really special you're in an auditorium and you're looking at a slideshow of all of these players that have come from region three they're now playing professionally and so i'm looking at these guys on the screen and i'm seeing them i'm like i'm gonna be there i'm gonna be there one day and so the next year we go they call my name so i know i'm going to to boston for the national team pool and you know, end up making that. And, and I've, I've so many great memories of traveling the world really with the youth national teams and was fortunate enough to be a part of pretty much every single one minus the U 17s in residency. Probably my favorite youth national team memory was I had been out of it in U 17, you know, I had a growth spurt that, you know, knows I, I struggled just kind of, you know, continuing to play at a high level kind of had like a year of just kind of like always kind of feeling bad, injured, growing into my body and, and was struggling. And so I finally got out of that and then got reinvited invited uh, to the U-18s and then went on to captain them in the Milk Cup later that year. And um, I think that, you know, captaining your country for like really the first time at a youth level at a big tournament, that was really special. And that was probably the, the best moment of my youth national team career was getting that opportunity. First call up to the full team. So remember, I had a really good 2016 uh, with Dallas. We won the Supporter Shield. We won the Open Cup. And I felt like I had had a really good year. And it was also the year that I was going to get married. And so I was supposed to get married New Year's Eve, or I did get married New Year's Eve. But about a week or two before that, I got a call from Kenny Arena, Bruce's son, who was an assistant coach with Bruce at the time. And, you know, he affirmed me and, and mentioned how well they thought I'd been playing that year and wanted to call me in a I immediately, you know, got got married, and from my honeymoon, I flew straight to LA for January camp, and so that was pretty cool. I mean, it it was not easy for my wife because we had, you know, we get married, we had this great week. It's like, all right, well, this is the life you signed up for. (laughs) Have a safe trip back. All of her stuff without me because I was gone for the month. So. Her and her mom like moved all of her apartment from Greenville to Dallas and uh, the whole time I was just gone at January camp and got to have my debut um, on that uh, the tail end of that trip and it was in Chattanooga so I had friends and family able to drive up I had a man of the match performance against Jamaica and my first cap and you know the rest is kind of history.
3: Wow that's awesome
1: I I mean Nuno I gotta believe you still get chills and you, you known them a lot longer than me and I just got chills. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I was lucky enough that like Walker said he made his debut in Chattanooga so that was a quick drive for us about an hour and a half from where I live so I had the privilege of of being up there for that and um, it is I mean I'm not going to lie to you I do have those moments that I, I feel like a, a proud dad and uh, I think especially the first time I saw Walker put on the the captain armband for the U.S., that was a very emotional uh, moment for me in a lot of ways. It was just that thing, just the reinforcement of that moment that I had when I noticed him as a 13, 14-year-old and the qualities that I saw in him and all these things coming to fruition at really at the highest level and representing one's country. I mean, I, I don't know how much more special it can get than that. And so to have... Uh, to live vicariously through him in a small way. It's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 words cannot articulate how one feels uh, within oneself, you know. That's so well said. A couple more questions for Walker Zimmerman
1: and we'll let him continue on his way of greatness. And Walker, obviously you're well aware that 2018 was tough for all of us that have been involved in the game for a long time, but now you've done it, you've qualified. Can you just talk about, the pressure of all the expectations headed into this round of qualification and then what it meant to come out on the right side of all that pressure.
2: Right. You know, we all are obviously aware of what happened in 2018. And especially as players, we felt that responsibility and that, you know, we we need to get the job done. And for me, the way I kind of handled that pressure is kind of the same way I feel like I have my whole career and life is, if there's anyone that's gonna have the weight of this on them, I want it to be me. Like I don't wanna be sitting back or being on the bench and not able to be in control of like this team's destiny. I want to make sure that I play as big of a part as I can and and we're gonna get the job done. And so I think a lot of guys, you know, understood that responsibility and were up for the challenge. And it started off with the great result in Mexico to get it to get a draw there and a game that quite frankly we should have won. Um, you talk about opportunities and chances that we had versus them. It's, you know, we could have definitely had three points there, but to end up with a draw, that kind of set set us up for a really good foundation to where we knew, you know, if we take care of business at home against Panama, we're, we're going to go to Qatar. And to get those extra insurance goals, obviously, were important. Um, and then going into Costa Rica, you know, it, it was a weird feeling because we felt so secure about our qualification, but at the same time, you have one more game, anything can happen, and you want to go out the right way. and unfortunately we lost the game but i thought we we still had a a pretty good performance in terms of you know zero zero at halftime like doing all that we needed to again had had more chances early on before they got their first goal but yeah tough to lose that game but i I think you got to look at qualifying as it's it's pass fail it's do you qualify do you not are you in the world cup or are you not and so we obviously had some wiggle room that we had created because of the previous results and and we got to celebrate and that was a big, uh, relief. It was a big kind of dream come true moment, but at the same time, there's seven months, you know, we have seven months till Qatar. And that's the ultimate dream. That's the ultimate goal. And so I was even talking to my wife about just even looking at my career or, or success with the national team. And it's, it's really hard to try and celebrate in the moment because no matter what, you have something that comes next, there's, you know, you, you, you captain one game and then it's like, okay, but now we have to qualify. And it's like, okay, we qualify, but now there's the world cup and it's, you know, you have one thing after another that you can't ever, you know, like winning defender of the year. It's like, okay, cool. But can I do it again? Can I do it again? Can I do it again? There's always something that's next. And so it's tough to try and, you know, focus on uh, the present and, and enjoy it and appreciate it. But, Um, I'm hoping that when all is said and done, I'll have some time to look back, but now is not that time.
1: I know for a fact that if Nuno and I are picking the team, you're on that team, but I'm glad that you touched on it because now you got to make sure you make that team and every challenge that's been in front of you, you've accepted it and you've accomplished great things because you touched on it. How much pressure is on making that team and being named to the roster? Yeah,
2: I mean, certainly there's you can call it pressure, but I think for me, it's more of, you got to go out and do exactly what you've been doing that. And that's what's, what's gotten you there. It's what's gotten you to where you are. And so not, not trying to put too much on myself in terms of like, Oh, I had a bad game today. I wonder if I'm still going to get called into the next camp. It's like, no, just play each game, focus on the things that you can control and stay present one game at a time, you know, one play at a time, one game at a time, and you keep moving forward. And if I keep doing that, Hopefully I'll put myself in a good position um, to, to make the roster in June for the friendlies in Nations League and then the friendlies in September. And then we're there. So not not putting too much pressure on myself, but trying to stay focused. And uh, I think if I can do that, then I'll have a good chance.
3: You know, I tend to be more like Walker. And my, I know as a coach that the focus, his focus is next weekend and, and leading Nashville like they did this past weekend. Tremendous victory at Kansas City, down one nothing, turning the game around, winning 2-1. And that's the focus. And I know if they take care of business on the field with this club team, then the door hopefully will open up as it has in the past in terms of the national team. And then when that time comes, we'll, we'll focus and enjoy that. But for now, I'm focused on his, no different. As a fan of his, that's what I'm focused on. What does the good Lord have in store for him this upcoming weekend? What can he do on the pitch? How can we... How can we get better weekend to weekend so that when the opportunity with the national team does come knocking, that whatever we saw during the qualifications, which was pretty special, you ain't seen nothing yet because it's, it's not about pressure with Walker. It's about opportunity. And that's, I know the way he's always looked at it and I don't think that's, that's going to change. So next game is this weekend. I think again, back on the road because you got yep. three of those in a row. That's, that's what we're going to focus on, so. I love
1: that, Nuno. I love the, the fact that you're able to join Walker on this very special edition of Breaking the Line, the ECL podcast. My final question is about the dynamic of the team, Walker, because I actually had the great honor of being the press officer of the 94 World Cup team, as you can see behind me. And those were pretty much all college kids, a few that had gone over to pro. And then late, we added Thomas Dooley from Germany and Ernie Stewart, who now has a big role with the men's national team from the Netherlands. And now I look at your team, And there's not too many just ATL, Greenville, South Carolina, Furman got, you know, not too many of those on the team. And yet you stand out above them just as much, but just talk about the dynamic is how fun is it. And, you know, I know some of the guys are actually still kind of learning English a little bit and everything, but how fun is this dynamic for this team moving forward?
2: A lot of fun. I think it, it represents this country so well is it's, we have so much diversity in this country and to be able to see all of that together in our locker room on a regular basis is exciting it's it's super fun it, it should be an inspiration to everyone who considers themselves american because it looks so different for a lot of different people and uh we have a really good group you know there's not too too many egos in the group it's guys who again have accepted that responsibility of of this is a newer generation that will be the youngest team in the world cup and greg's touched on that a lot and um, that's so good soccer. It's exciting for these players to quite frankly, if if maybe we would have qualified in 2018, how many of them would have gotten the chance to really have games and step into this opportunity? So it's a, a really big opportunity for them as as younger players to to make their mark. And now we're seven months away from them getting to play on the biggest stage and, and hopefully their careers continue to excel and take off. But it's it's a great group, a lot of amazing personalities in there and I think when you mix all those different cultures and and people together, um, it just creates such a a cool identity within our group and a real appreciation for uh, what it means to be American.
1: I knew that I already loved the way you play, and I'd already heard you were an incredible person. In fact, Nuno had told me that a long time ago, but I can tell you, I also got married on New Year's Eve, and my birthday's May 18, one day before yours, so I like that connection too, my man, and and getting married on New Year's Eve is awesome, right?
2: It's great. I mean, you get, you get fireworks every anniversary, and you just tell the <laughs> wife that, that you set it up for.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, with May around the corner, happy birthday too, okay?
2: That's right. Likewise.
1: Walker Zimmerman on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you so much, Walker.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
1: And Nuno Patero, the director for GSA and a true friend of the ECNL. Nuno, thanks for being on again.
3: Thank you, Dean. And it's always a pleasure to see you, Walker, and connecting with you guys.
2: You too. Great seeing you. Uh,
3: That was fun. I am... So
1: happy to have these opportunities. I want to thank everybody at the ECNL, Christian Lavers, Jen Winnegal, Jason Cutney, Doug Bracken, Andrea Wheeler, Jacob Bourne, each and every one of the players and coaches, everybody associated. I hope you learned something from the incredible, incredible amount of work that Walker Zimmerman has put in to get to this point. I also want to thank our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line the ECNL podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.